pastor by his you have not made any days for sadness sickness defeat upset worry pain pressure fear you've not made us days for that but you have made us days to rejoice and be glad in and we rejoice in you lord thank you for your holy presence here in our midst today because that's all that matters is that you are with us and we thank you for that lord in jesus name amen and praise god amen 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 praise god amen well, the Lord told me to tell you that you cannot be defeated. Amen. You cannot. Amen. You cannot be defeated. Amen. Why don't you stand up again, run the three people, and tell them you cannot be defeated. You cannot. You cannot. You cannot be defeated. You cannot. You cannot be defeated. Amen. Amen. You cannot. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. <clears throat> you know, I think it's important for us to reflect on who we are. You know, and, and uh, we, we all talk about New Year's resolutions, but my resolution is to believe the word like never before. Amen. And to meditate on the word and make the word my major focus and top priority because when you do that you focus on God and God has always got to be number one in your heart in your life if you're going to have any semblance of success oh God knows when you're real and when you're fake he knows when you're sincere and when you're just trying to scam and so amen and he does, he does not bless fakery. Amen. He always, but he blesses uh, love, sincerity, amen, devotion. He blesses all of those things. So it's, we can't fool him. Just like, you know, my mother, you would tell her a lie and she just looked through you. You thought, oh boy, I tried it again. It didn't work the last time. Why'd I try it again? And so, and he's a good father. He's a perfect father. And so he, he doesn't want to put us in a position to acquire and not be able to hold on. Amen. See, your, your faith, I was speaking with Pastor Shirley about this, where, where people sometimes will get a little, um, um, I guess, deceived as to what is causing them to uh, make progress in the body of Christ. And see when you when you live in covenant with God and you have a, a relationship with pastors, other believers, and also you have a life of prayer. Many times there's so many things that are holding your life together. You kind of you can't skim on nothing or it shows real quick. And so many times we are blessed and I've told you this before through the prayer of agreement. It's not your faith alone that's holding up your stuff and keeping your life together. 
and sometimes we soon find it out, amen? Because once we get blessed, we want to run off and throw a happy party and forget about God, and he knows that, and then when it comes crashing down, you wonder how you got here, huh? I'll tell you exactly how you got there, amen? And the only thing to do then is dust yourself up, pick yourself off, repent, and ask God to put you back in the race, amen? And be wiser the next time. Don't let that that attitude of uh, I got it made, rejoicing, and all of that carry you away off of the foundation of God. There's one thing you can know that the enemy has snares set for you. Happy times and sad times. And when the extremes of emotion grab us is when we are the most vulnerable. And he, he is in charge of messing up both of them. You understand what I'm saying? And so, but God has orchestrated a plan for us to never suffer defeat. We are never to be defeated. And we cannot be defeated. It's up to you whether you accept a disappointment, a setback, or a, a delay as defeat. Your faith will hold and work for you even when there's nothing uh, to look at. Amen. And Habakkuk said, though the fig tree uh, doesn't blossom anymore and the olive uh, fades on the vine, yet will I, and there's nothing in the storehouse, yet will I praise him, the God of my salvation. And so that's your key and your answer because anybody can get to a place where the cupboards are bare. Amen. And the repo man is in the front of the house, and the house is about to be pulled out from under us. But God, amen, you do not accept that as defeat. Uh, you know, be, be resilient in the face of criticism. Be resilient in the face of, of uh, promises that aren't, haven't materialized yet. Be resilient and tough and, and stand on uh, your uh, covenant with God and your understanding of who God is. Because it's really never about you. It's about the God that you serve. Even though you're the recipient of the blessings, and yeah, you got to pray, yeah, you got to build your faith, and yeah, you got to release your faith, and yeah, you got to read the word. But, you know, the world requires more than that from us to get ahead with them. They want us to go to their stupid schools and pay all the tuition and go into debt, and then we're not guaranteed anything. At the end of your road with God, there's a guarantee. Amen? This is a no fail covenant. Amen. This this covenant has been tried in the fire and tried in the water, huh? And it still holds up. So you you have a sure thing with God, never to be defeated. Amen. So turn to Psalm ninety one, <clears throat> if you would please. You are heavily armed against the devil and all of his plans and fully protected from all harm. Amen. You're fully protected from all harm. That means you don't even have to have a close call. Amen. You don't even have to have a whiff of trouble or a whiff of defeat. Amen. I remember when uh, this, the, one of the recent storms we had in Ohio... After the storm was over, I went down the street and I saw all the trees that, I mean, and these were big uh, 
you know, like four and five foot diameter trees. Some of them were uprooted from the roots. And uh, I was looking at that and I thought, oh man, I didn't know all this was going on last night. Huh? <laughs> I know I looked out on my deck and I, I saw the, it would look like it was flashing light and all kind of crazy stuff. And me and Coco standing there looking and she, I would go open the door for her and she did that back step like, are you joking, lady? <laughs> <laughs> I guess Coco say I'll go in the secret place where you don't even know where I'm going. But uh, <laughs> you know, it was everything was kind of blowing. I had the furniture out there, and I usually I cover it with tarps for the winter, and the tarps was flying and everything. But it seemed to last only a couple of minutes. It just zipped through and it was gone. You know, it was like it wanted to linger, but it said. <laughs> And just kept moving. Amen. And and that's because I have decided, and this is a decision everybody can make. I have decided to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. And everybody can do it. You know how you do it? It's what you say. And what you believe. I will say of the Lord. Mm-hmm. God, you are my refuge. Uh, You are my fortress. You are my strength. I'm trusting in you, God. I don't need a lot of other stuff. I don't need need my boys. You know how people always got to have somebody they call when (laughs) when they get nervous. I don't need this. I just need the Lord and trust him and know that he's there for me. So Psalm 91 verse 1 says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Amen. Now, the word secret means that you have to have relationship with the one who owns the joint to find out where it is. Amen. So it's a secret place. It's not an obvious place. It's not a place everybody has access to. There's no address to it. Amen. There's no uh, um, uh, difficulty in getting there. It's a place that you attain to by faith. The same faith that you use to beg God to do this and beg God to do that. It's the same faith that allows you to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. It is a real place. Because it goes with you, it abides with you, it travels with you. Wherever you go, this place goes with you. If you learn how to abide there, if you learn how to to stay there. And he says, will he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Shadow refers to the protective uh, shade that God provides for us when we, when we, uh, whenever, you know, just if life is going good, you have a, a shadow of the Almighty. It's, it's you're walking with him in a place that he has carved out for you. In some places it talks about under the feathers, like a a mother hen 
protecting her baby chicks. You know, they're uh, chicken hawks. You know, that little cartoon guy. We all laugh at him, but them things are treacherous when they get some size, you know. And uh, they fly over barnyards and you'll see the mother hen look up and see them and she'll squawk and gather all them little babies under her feathers spread them out and gather them under there until danger passes and so that's what god what what it means about hiding in the shadow of the almighty the shadow of the almighty uh, moses referred to the cliff the cliff of the rock in between rocks where the predators can't see you you know, we think we all big and bad and we can handle this and handle that. But there are many things that we are hidden from and are hidden from us because of the protection of God. See, I don't live in fear. I lived in fear for some years before God began to show me how to get healed and delivered through his word. And I made up my mind I was not going to go back there. So when the enemy starts to try and parade things in front of me to make me scared as to whether or not, you know how it is, you're praying for something and then you get in that doubt thing and you don't know if it's going to come. Or you need something paid on time and you're not sure if it's going to get here on time. All that stuff that the enemy dangles in front of you. I have learned to, to look for God's peace to come from the secret place and, and usher me over into the secret place where I can abide with him. I don't have to be fretful. Now, some people worry don't bug them. They can be emotionally strung out or peaceful. They don't care. But I'm telling you, there is a higher way to live. And, and you know, you'll get enough of headaches and, and uh, 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 upset stomachs and indigestion and all. You get tired of living off of Maylock, the Maylock's moment and, and uh, you know, to uh, uh, get me a Z-Pack or, or get me a Motrin or a, 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 a acetaminophen or whatever the stuff is that, that people pop because it has caught up with them and they're out there by themselves with no shade and no shadow and no protection. See, the difference between your Maalox moment and your ibuprofen moment with the headache and then you want to call it a migraine because you read up what they, what they seem like, you know, symptoms. The difference between that and total peace is that you have to say, God is your refuge. And you've got to mean it. God, I am not going to be afraid of anything. I say you are my refuge and I mean you are my refuge. And help me to live in the reality of it. So when you live under the shadow of the Almighty, that means that somebody bigger than you is taking control in your life. It means that everywhere that you walk, the devil sees this big shadow of a big God, and he doesn't see you. And he stands in awe, and he stands in fear, and he keeps his distance. He knows he can only harass you if he can get your attention. And as long as you keep up with where God is leading you, his presence abides with you, and you remain under his shadow. It's a protective shadow. Amen? When you shadow somebody or you walk behind them, they are walking ahead of you for the purpose of fending off danger, of protection, of causing you to be at peace, letting you know you're not alone. 
that you have a companion who is strong, a shadow. Uh, you know, when it's be- before a sun sun up or at sun up, it's it's very tall and it's bigger than the image kind of thing. And that's what God has for us. He has a big shadow for us to abide in behind. Shadow also refers to obscurity or darkness where you can't be found so easily. Amen. Where the Lord shields your mind from the onslaught of the enemy. It's not so easy for the devil to pick you and harass you and pick your brain and start to cause you to be confused and disturbed and not know what to do and not know who to trust or who to go to or all that kind of stuff. The enemy has plans for us. To destroy us, to steal from us, to kill us, to pick us apart. Amen. And so God, understanding that you can call God your refuge. You must say that from your mouth. And you've got to continue to declare that God is all you need. God is your help. I'm looking to you, Father, for this help. Where is my help going to come from? It comes from the Lord. There are some times where God will use human beings, but that's not your help. That's who he wants to use right now. And it's a good thing to learn to be faithful when God tells you to do something. You step up to the plate and do it. You don't have to pray for 15 confirmations. Because then you'll lose your covering and your protection, your blessing, stepping out, trying to question if that's God or not, telling you to bless somebody else. And so part of... of God being our refuge is also, he is our shepherd. He leads us. He guides us. He tells us the way to go. He commands obedience from us and he helps us to obey him. And so when we begin to totally see that there's a life and a protection in God, it is, it is a, a, a place where we can abide and we don't have to come out. I know many of us want to feel powerful and great and full of faith and power and all that kind of stuff. But you stay where God puts you. You don't know what's out there. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes, you know, uh, we're curious about things. Uh, You know, like sometimes parents, when you're teaching your children how to, Across the street and stuff like that. They're curious about what, how to do, I make, can I make it across there? And I used to look at them and say, no, nah, it's not time yet. And you stay back here until I teach you how to do this. And that's what God does with us. We want to get up and do everything real quick and get our life together and get, get a move on and all that kind of stuff. And he said, no, nah, don't, don't step out there in that traffic right now. You don't even know what's out there. And so when we understand that the protection of the shadow of the Almighty is also a place where we are led to abide. That we don't have to step out in danger. We don't have to step out in the maybe situation. We don't have to take any risks. We can wait until the leading of the Lord. And it's, it's good to stay in a holding pattern a little bit longer than it is to jump out prematurely. Amen. You jump out prematurely and there's no guarantee when you're going to get back your life and get it right 
and it not be upset. You got me? And so when we understand that God has a way to lead us and then stay in that place, then then we can, can live a life of no defeat, live a life of total victory, protection, whatever it is that we need, it is there in the presence of God. So you have the most secure dwelling place available. When you abide with God, you have the most secure dwelling place available. It has no beginning and no end. Which means it's been forged out of eternity. It's withstood the test of time of the ages still here. It cannot be found by evil. It is a sanctuary and a holy place. And you are shaded from all hostile forces at all times. The Bible says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Psalm 27. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When you've got God on your side and you know how to abide with him and you know how to trust him. You know that God's not going to be late with anything he promised you. He will always be on time. Then you can abide there peacefully and not be disturbed by the enemy. Because his greatest endeavor is to push us out of the sanctuary. To push us out of the secret place. To make us think that God's not going to bless us. He doesn't love us. He let this happen to us. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be careful with your reasonings and trying to understand what's going on apart from dwelling in the shadow of the Almighty. If if you don't get that information from God, you can assume certain things and and wind up uh, being hostile toward God. You'll wind up losing your peace, not being able to get your bearings, not knowing the next move to make. And somebody who loves you has to come and pray for you and dig you out of a hole. You got me? And God has not ordained us to live in any kind of hole, any kind of confusion, anything like that. He wants us to dwell in his presence. His presence was created or we were created to live in his presence. Let me put it that way. There's no really good way to live outside of your connection with God. He has to be real to you. His to be very real to you. And and the more real God can be to you, the stronger you are in your conviction to abide with him. You know, you, you I'm not leaving this place for anything. You can't pay me to get out there and, you know, I mean, even in your words. I know sometimes, you know, I'll be talking to people and they'll say something and I'll get quiet and they get offended. And they say, I'm not going to agree with any kind of nonsense. I'm going to dig myself out of hole if I keep going down this road. So I'll let you, you have that. I'm not taking that away from you. If you want to say God doesn't want you to be blessed, you say that. But I'm not going to go into agreement with you on that. See, I'm the sister got to dig you out of a hole when you snap back to your senses and realize God is all you got. And God is what you got to trust. Amen. And so it's good to stay in a place. See, that's that's maintaining the secret place. See, if I'm in the secret place and you want to talk your yak, I'm going to let you stay over there and talk that. Because, see, the devil will come for your words and you're going to have to pony up on that. 
but I got to stay over here in the secret place because when you come to your senses, you'll need me to help you to pray yourself over back into the secret place where I am. So you stay over there. I'll stay in here. Uh, Seriously. That's how it's done, folks. That's how you abide with God. You got to pay the price for that. And people don't like you. They say that's where you get the mean. You mean. You don't, you don't feel. You don't know how I feel. No, I don't, and I don't want to. Because I used to live on that street. But I moved. And I'm not moving back. That's the ghetto to me, huh? And it ain't never been fabulous, okay? Just a straight-up ghetto. So I'm not going back there, not coming out. Now, if that's mean, it's just going to have to rest as mean. But I mean what I say. Jesus paid a heavy price for me to abide with him. And I'm not going back. Amen. Not going back. I have enough trouble with my own crappy confession. (laughs) I'm going to get in on yours. You know what I'm saying? I just broke myself in the habit of blaming uh, every pain in my body on my age. Hmm? See, you young people think you ain't going to have no problems like that. Keep living. The older you get, the more devils you got to fight. <laughs> so you got to keep them all. <laughs> keep the gun on this one, the knife on that one. Amen. The grenade on that one. Amen. <laughs> the devil, devil want to throw something your way. Huh? You said... Huh? And send it right back to him. Amen. Because you cannot afford to abide in any place but the place where God has ordained for you. You can't have success in God and be raggedy in your thinking, in your emotions, in your confession, in your forgiveness level. You can't be raggedy in none of that and abide. You can't have success in God without obedience. And he wants us to stay under his wing we are important to us to him we are loved by him he wants us close he doesn't want you out there doing your thing amen and taking chances huh your thing is what got you to the foot of the cross to begin with so stay there amen abide there let it be comfortable to you verse two i will say of the lord and this is how you dwell there You keep declaring God is your refuge. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. So when you trust in God, you have somebody to run to when the enemy is even in hot pursuit. Uh Even when you've been disobedient and you've been tempted and you've given in to temptation. Amen. says when you declare it, he shows up. And you can trust him. So all you have to do is call on the name of Jesus. Jesus, help me. Thank you. You are my fortress. You are the one that I run to. God delights in that. When we call on him and don't call on anybody else, that opens his heart of compassion up to us. He opens up the storehouse again. He's not stingy about any of the help or the aid that he sends us. He sends us the lavish things that we need in life he's an extravagant god and that's not extravagance is not wasteful 
God, only God can be extravagant but not wasteful. He'll give you the best of things. You know how it is when you when you feel like, oh Lord, I messed up, and you know people mess up the bill money. Well, that's what y'all think bill money is for until, until you know. Oh, so, really? He got a priority, you know. The widow, uh, the son of the prophet, widow, huh? He never advanced a prophet. He's always in training. That gives you some indication. Some people, some people never graduate. They just always a student. And so he died and left her broke. Probably one of the reasons he died, he was disobedient. People, back in them days, you got 70 years and then some. You really got 120, basically. But he leaves her, and when she gets blessed, she gets instruction. Uh, let me tell you one thing. Everybody who gets blessed gets instruction with it, okay? Well, I'm going to say it again. Yeah, see, whenever God blesses you, it comes with instruction. See, we get our paycheck. We get, you know, whatever we get. And, uh, you, you know, now they, <laughs> they tell you the, the economic advice is you got to have a job and a side hustle. Yeah. Huh? That's what the Uber people, they start putting that out. Your side, or let Uber be your side hustle. In other words, you got to have, you lazy ting, you, you have tree job, man, you know. Everybody Jamaican now. I have tree job, four job, five job. Why? Because they get their money in their void of instruction for what to do with it. See, instruction, uh, uh, has to do with stewardship. Yeah, See, God doesn't reward you because your paycheck lasts from week to week. He rewards you for what you do with it. Because most of us robbing Peter to pay Paul anyway. Well, I get that next month. Or I'm going to have to cut down that. What's the minimum payment on that again? Always got the minimum out there. Uh, they even got so bold, the devil got so bold with that little stuff, they put on the bottom of there where it shows your payment. If you pay only the minimum, look how long it's going to take you to pay it off, and this is how much interest it's going to cost you. Hint, hint, stupid, pay more than the minimum, amen, See, or you'll never get rid of this debt. They didn't used to tell you because they used to like seeing people stay in debt. Now they're telling you how to get out of it. But the woman, when when the when she started pouring that oil and it didn't stop, she started doing the happy dance, huh? Because see, if I was pouring it, say by the time you got to jar number five, you saw it wasn't stopping. You would look down there and say, "Hmm, I only got five left. Go next door and get some more empty jars." Huh? So that's the extravagance of God. So that's your cue that when he blesses you, there's no limit, there's no restriction, there's no, it's not a fixed income like they tell you it is. There's, there's nothing holding back him pouring it out forever. 
So you're only limited by your faith and believing that God's resources are unlimited. And he wants to give them to you. And that he's an extravagant God. And he'll give you enough. It would almost spill over except he's not wasteful. You got it? So he's extravagant, which means that he will pour out, pour out, pour out, pour out, and pour out. But when you stop being able to catch it, that's when it stops. So he's not wasteful. You got me? Many people get it mixed up. You know that he's extravagant and wasteful. God had to show me that in not getting condemned when I would have to make purchases for our food and things like that for our conferences. And the Lord told me, he said, I want my people to know that I am an extravagant God. That I don't have limits on what I want to bless them with or how I want it. He said, and you've got to show them. I'm using you to show people who I am this way. You got me? So we've always had an abundance of food. We've always had more than enough. We've always had extravagant provision. When it looks like we're not there, I say, you go get something else. We must have. You understand what I'm saying? We never, don't ever, I don't ever want anybody to come and, and say, uh, there's not enough. I hate that. And I will, you say it around me when we are feeding people, I will take your head off. And I mean it. Well, I'm sorry. Now, that look, everybody. Y'all know I mean it, don't you? My witnesses. And I'm telling you that, uh-uh, don't you mouth nothing over this food like that. Because your God has made full provision. Now, if I fell down on a job somewhere, let me correct myself and let's get it going. But don't, don't tell me we ain't doing it. We can't do it. It's not here. We don't have, uh-uh, don't, don't go there with me. Because that's not what I'm here to project in God. You got me? And so when we do that, but see, I take criticism for people. Oh, we look at all this. We got we got it's gonna be wasted. No, it's never gonna be wasted. Huh? See, if if we would just get with the flow of where God's going with this and not be so crazy about judging things. According to natural standards, you got to understand there is a standard in God and there is a natural standard. And God will show you how to be a good steward. So when, when dinner's over, my job ain't done. i got to figure out how to be a good steward over. When did God ever have people throw away to read? When the disciples, when they fed all them thousands of people, they had 12 baskets that remained. They collected all the leftovers. Amen? So there's a purpose even for that. Don't put God on a cheap level ever. Amen. I've seen people ruin good ministries because they didn't know how to treat God's people, the laborers, right? God showed me a scripture that said, do not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. You don't get people here for four days and work them to death and then put them on their own to find food. You got it? And everybody works hard. We all have to put our shoulder to the wheel to get our, our job done. But we're there to, to uh, fellowship in God, understand his ways, understand his provision, understand what he allows us to have. 
He is an extravagant God. You get the best of everything. Amen. You get get whatever you want and then some. Amen. Many times, you know, we have a nice spread out for the, the ministers, but I don't love them anymore than I love the people. What the, what's on that table, everybody who's working there can have. I don't ever tell people this is for somebody, not for you. I may want them to be served first out of honor, but there's always ample for everybody else. You got me? When I see ministers coming in trying to abuse the workers, I tell my son, oh, we ain't going to put up with this. <laughs> we had some people that came in one time. They they were scared of the meetings. Remember them people came? Yeah. They were scared to come in the meetings because they weren't spirit-filled. Got me? Yeah, but they wanted to eat all the the fish fry. They ate up all the fish. I told the girls, I said, number one, keep the cooked food in the oven where people can't see it because they all ask for doggy bags. Got me? They can't see it. I mean, just just wisdom. You got me? Because you'll run out and you won't have enough for people who really are supposed to partake. So God's holding us accountable for everybody there. I said, number two, we're going to let this meal go on for an hour tops. If they can't get over here and eat in an hour, cut it off. Just tell them, no, it's shut down. It's closed. I'm very sorry. We do have another meal at midnight. Eagle star. You know, but don't let people abuse people who are serving and working you just can't you're not going to hold up for very long that way and so then i have to keep all this stuff in mind you know to keep it all together but god has a way of allowing us to be able to experience his goodness and experience his extravagance experience what he has for you but you got to use your faith to do that and understand that this is how he wants to present himself to everybody And he wants you to understand when you have your own household, this is how I want you to live. You can eat the best of anything you ever want to have in life and as much as you want and still be a good steward over what it is that you have. Huh? Tippy will tell you, I don't like waste. (laughs) That's one thing people around me, we're not wasting this, are you kidding me? We can feed 55 orphans down the street with this stuff. You know what I'm saying? So I'm I'm very cautious about that because I don't like wasting. Because I don't think that's what God has for us. But I do know he don't don't care if you want steak every day. Ask him for it. He'll let you have it. Don't say, we had to eat beans. It's your choice. I love beans myself. Huh? But don't put that on God like he made you eat like that. Use your faith to get you some steak. Huh? Use your faith to get what you want. Don't let the devil put you into a lack corner. Amen. Always live with a heart of abundance, with an eye to abundance, with an understanding that there is abundance of anything that you want. I had a, a the closet. I heard something go boom. In the house. I was scared to go look. I said, Rachel? <laughs> what was that, Ray? Did you hear that? She said, yeah. <laughs> she wasn't coming down either. So I looked around everywhere and all my clothes, the the rack in my closet came loose from the wall. And there's all that pile of clothes down there. Poor little Rachel. She helped me. She was sweet about it. And so we got all of it up. But as I was getting it up, God said, put this stuff 
in a garbage bag and take it to the Salvation Army. Don't you hang it back up. Don't you put it back in there. See, that's my sin. I've been looking at it forever and letting it be wasted by not being used. You got me? And so as I, I, as I went through things, I found there were many things I could give away. The bag was so big. We had those, what, 55-gallon, the biggest garbage bags they have. I pulled it out of my truck, and the girl at the Goodwill was looking. I said, yes, yeah, that big. She said, well, bring it on over here. I'll help you with it, you know. But, but it was a, a wake-up thing for me in God about stewardship. Now, if that seed never gets sown, it can't bless me and help me. But if that seed gets sown, then it can turn into a blessing for me and and come back to me and bless my life. And I'm saying there are many things that we have to examine our lives and say, what's in your house? Quit complaining. What have you got that God can use? What have you got that is prime seed? I'm not talking about your cast-offs because God can take those. But there are some things that are our prime seed that God wants us to sow so that we can get beyond just barely having enough and looking in the natural, but we can move into the land of abundance. It is so easy to think abundantly when you dwell with God, when you dwell under the shadow of the Almighty, when you allow God to be your refuge and your fortress, when you allow him to do the things that he wants to do in your life. It's very, very easy to, to step into that realm where you know, and you're not, you're not better than everybody else because uh, the world hates the abundance of God. You're not wasteful. You're not trying to be Miss Rich. You know, my husband would say that to me when we wasn't saved. He quit saying it. <laughs> you know, I was Miss Rich B because I didn't like junk. And I didn't like things that didn't flatter me that weren't good for my complexion. Huh? And he was scared because he knew he was going to have to pay for it. You know, don't let them. No, no. Let's, let's just pause the teaching and, and go over and start. Can we talk? No. But you, know, you know what I mean. The devil will call you any kind of name to keep you from knowing who you are. See, you can have the, the vision of a king's kid and still be a sinner and be in the world. This is what pulls a lot of people out. They know there's something in them that tells them there's a better life somewhere. And see, you're, you're for stepping out of that and stepping over into something else. Amen? Now, everybody will fight you on it. The devil will fight you. His people will fight you. Your loved ones will fight you. Huh? I remember uh, we used to, when we were in high school, you know how them uh, sorority sisters had a little groups where they come and talk to the young girls. They want to encourage you to stay in school and do your best. You have such great potential. And I remember <clears throat> there was a, a woman who had done that, and I kind of kept in touch with her. And uh, she asked me once to babysit for them while you know during the Christmas season and uh, she said well my husband and I we have a lot of parties to go to we always get a sitter and all this kind of so I babysat for them and and you know finished school and I ran into her after I had 
gotten out of school, got a job. I was living down the street from now. And uh, she saw me in the supermarket and looked me up and down like I wasn't supposed to be there. You got me? That's always your first hint that you're on the right road. See, they encourage you until you get in their neighborhood. And she wasn't. She was. You understand what I'm saying? Them kind of sorority sisters. Them soul sisters. <laughs> like the real housewives. See, they take an attitude just like them real housewives to you when you step out of the box. The devil wants to keep you in a poverty and lack, never enough, always wanting. Once you step out of there and step into something, then you see how the devil's people really. So I got used to it. I got used to taking everything off by making progress. That's why don't bug me now. You understand? You get a tough skin. If you're going to live beyond where normal people or so-called normal people live or your homeboys or your homegirls live, then you're going to suffer persecution. You step out of the box and the devil will hit you in the head and try to put you right back in there. But God wants us to be good stewards as well. And that was something I learned after I got into the kingdom. I learned how to be a better steward over the things that God had blessed me with and entrusted me with. And so that's what he was teaching the widow who was pouring out the oil. His instruction to her, and we'll get back to the instruction, your blessings always come with instructions. His instruction to her was what? Pay your bills first and then go live off the rest. And see, most of us are trying to live before we're being responsible. And that's where why we keep getting in the same problem. Let's say it again. See, lack and poverty and want will put you in such a mentally deprived state that you sit up and wait for something, wait for something, and by the time you get it, it's spent already. In your mind, it's already spent on things that you haven't been able to have this in such a long time. I'm going to get this. I haven't been able to have that in such a long time. I'm going to get that. Where God's instruction is, pay your bills first. Go live off the rest. Why? Because there's plenty. If you pay your bills first, you'll find out where the plenty is. If you don't pay them first and try to live it up, you'll never know what real prosperity is because you're not following the instructions. Well, I like it. I don't care if y'all do or not. Huh? I do. Because it's God's instruction to people, period. Hmm? That's why her boys were about to go into prison to pay off the debt. Because they were so accustomed to being afraid if they don't have anything to live off of. We have, we have, have this, I gotta have this. So you, that's why you gotta say, God, you're my refuge, you're my fortress. I live for you. I have plenty. I don't have lack. I don't like any good thing. I don't, I may not have everything I think I want, but I'm not in lack either. Huh? Desiring more and being in lack are two totally different things. Huh? Poverty is always a state of mind. 
That's why it's good to spend your time, instead of wishing you had more, spend your time renewing your mind in the Word of God. I know that's not as exciting. That's real dull, Barb. That's not so interesting. Yeah, but it'll keep you balanced in in abiding with God and understand. You'll get a, a, a continual feed of security and wisdom if you if you start renewing your mind in the word and saying god i see in your word that you are a god of abundance i've never experienced it tell the truth but say say god i know you have that for me and the reason you have it for me is i get glimpses of it in your word make it real to me god make it real to me make it so that i don't ever fear amen you you can't fear for anything Make it so that I never fear lack, I never fear want, I never fear danger, I never fear people, I never fear what man can do to me, because you are the place where I go to get myself encouraged, to get myself recharged, to get myself to figure out, remind myself who I am on a daily basis, amen? I'll never forget us. I always get, every time I try to get to the dentist, and I wasn't a dentist going person for some reason, you know, I'm that person or that person. Uh, but the devil always tries to hook me up with some danger when I go. The, devil, the, the dentist is dangerous. I should get a new, new t-shirt made or something. But that was a place where I remember my blood pressure shot up on me and I stole some pills from Gigi and self-medicate uh, so I said well I'm going to go and actually mine was worse than hers and I'm stealing from her I thought well that ain't good so I was in there but they had to have a tooth pulled and a bridge made and all this crazy stuff and I heard them saying oh you, you can't you can't do anything with her look at that look at that blood pressure she needs to uh, go to her her uh, internist I will say internist externist outternist upternist I ain't got none of them people in my life it's about your internist you've seen a doctor in 40 years don't want to so he <laughs> talked all this stuff and so I was thinking to myself and I said Lord Jesus and I started praying in tongues under my breath by the time they got finished with the conversation they said well go ahead and do it this time and then let her have the conversation with her person later. So I had my conversation. I had no person, but I, all I heard was do it. And I said, okay. Well, in the meantime, I had promised God. I said, God, I'm going to go to Dr. Fred. I'm going to take care of this. We ain't going to go through this. No, next two months, same thing over again. So then this is a familiar devil. Follow me to the dentist to upset my day. So then I go to this new dentist. That was two years ago. I'm done with them. They fired me. And so, you know, if you don't come see them regularly, you don't get money regularly. They don't want you no more. So they fired me. I thought, oh, okay. So then I cracked a temporary filling or something. I had to go in emergency. They want to sign you up. And I sit in a chair and there's the blood pressure devil again. And I'm taking their pills. And it shot up. You see how the devil do you? Oh, yeah, you right. And so when the girl took it, and I looked at her, oh, Lord, what do I do? I'm taking my pills. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, you know, all this stuff. And I said, oh, God, don't let me die. Don't let me die. And God just, like, 
slapped me right there in the dentist. He said, don't you know I love you too much to let you die in the dentist chair? <laughs> they were crying for real, you know. There's been some times where God shows up like a real husband to me. You got me? Now, that's when, that, when he said that, that was kind of familiar. I said, that's what my husband used to do, slap you in the reality and say, no, listen to me. And shake you up and get you back normal again. All the single women are looking nervous. Oh, he, he abused her. Either that or let me be nuts again, okay? It depends on what your options are. Grow up. <laughs> but you know how they get that husband thing and shake you into reality and you snap, man. It's like, oh, okay, that's where we are. Huh? But see, that's what it means when you make the Lord your refuge. He'll shake you and snap you back in there in the secret places like I'm out here vulnerable and all of a sudden, yank, I'm right back in, right back in the cut again. Amen. It's a wonderful thing. It, I mean, it's it, it's not cheap and it's not second hand. It's not like I can't get me somebody. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Whatever that means. Verse 3. Surely he shall deliver you. He has a covenant of deliverance with us. He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. Fowler is the the guy that they they would lay snares for birds, you know, like, um, uh, you know, uh, birds, edible birds that they would try. They would lay little traps for them. And they're always hidden so they're not visible to the naked eye. So you can step into a trap and not even know a trap is there. And from the terror of perilous pestilence or noisome pestilence. So you have a guaranteed promise of deliverance even when you are deceived or tricked and can't get yourself free. Or when you wind up in a trouble you cannot free yourself from. So when you get stuck, when there's no deliver, there's no answer coming into your brain. You know how we search through our little brain to find out how to get out of this trouble. When there's no answer coming, he will deliver you from that snare. The word snare also refers to offense. So he will deliver you from being entrapped by offense. You know how sometimes you have to eat your own words? Well, so-and-so ever do such and such and such to me. You know, that's just the devil because he's got that on the on the agenda for you at some point. See, you think it's like, you know, people get married. They always get married with an escape hatch somewhere. Right now, it's abuse huh, of any kind. Yes. I don't have to take this verbal abuse. No, you forgive that person. Okay, that's how you don't take it. You know what I'm saying? If you think, now, if you think husband number two or door number two is going to have something better behind it, I got news for you. Huh? You're going to have to forgive that person, too. You know, people, and, and, I, and I don't 
judge anybody about their decisions, but just don't blame them all on God, okay? But, you know, you have people who, uh, oh, he cheated on me, or she cheated on me. I'm going to find me somebody else. Well, chances are they're sleeping with somebody else right now. They just ain't got in the circulation where you can find them yet. But everybody's got a history of some kind of sin. You got me? Like you can pick through people and find somebody who hasn't sinned so you can be happy with them. Get real. Huh? Get real. Offenses come so that to lure us out of the secret place. Amen. But God says even when you're offended, he will deliver you from the snare of it. Does it mean that people won't offend you? It doesn't mean that you won't have misunderstandings? No, most offenses come from misunderstandings. Ain't nobody out here robbing nobody and killing nobody and that kind of stuff, you know, where you really take somebody to court. But they come through often through misunderstandings. Somebody says something a certain way and it don't grab you right. You know, I mean, you got to, we all want to be grabbed right. All the time, huh? And you grabbing people wrong, huh? Roll your eyes at them. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Come on now, you just... (laughs) That's enough to offend somebody, you know? I mean, come on, y'all. We all got sore spots and we all need to shape up, too. You got me? Quit being a deliberate train wreck. You know, some some people just train wreck experiences in them. They can be doing the best they can, and you ain't. A little little guy, mayhem. Uh, (laughs) You know, he roll off the roof of your car, and he just he just gonna have a wreck anyway. You know, some people are like that. Don't mean no harm. That's just who they are. Amen. Then it's some deliberate train wrecks. You know, some people are so sensitive. You can't can't joke with them, can't smile with them, you know. Well, you want me to pray for you? They can't. What your stinking prayers. Huh? You got like scared. You the pastor. You want to help me with you. So wait, wait a minute. Hold it. Wait a minute. And then they mad at you because you offered to pray with them. Listen, I've seen that devil so many times. It, it takes different forms and different, you know, but that your prayer stink looks. Huh? And get away from me. You got me? They want to hold on to their bondage. Amen? That's what you do. I go and intercede for them. Lord, let them see I don't mean no harm, you know. And no sense in apologizing because that just feeds the devil. Well, I didn't say anything. Let's get, get it back. Get back. Back, back, back. Huh? At that point, you got to defend yourself. You know, I'm running, I'm running back to the secret place. Lord, you are my refuge. <laughs> People like their devils. You know, they're pets for some people. 
When they get lonely, they say, oh, where's my devil that tells me feel sorry for myself and get in a bad mood here? Right. Instead of saying, the Lord is my refuge, amen? I'm not going to give in to the effects of the enemy. I'm not going to give in to the refuge of the devil. I'm not going there. I'm going to stay here where God can find me and help me. Amen? Amen? He also delivers us from any deadly disease. Huh? Any deadly disease. When I see common colds and flu coming around, the resistance comes. Huh? People say, well, I haven't been feeling good. I said, I'll pray for you. Come on. We ain't getting this, you know. You, You don't commiserate with people. Embrace that, you know. Infectious diseases like company. That's why they're infectious. They get off on everybody. I don't even talk about not feeling well when there's a lot of it going around. Why? I'm in the shadow of the Almighty. I'm not coming out for nobody. I'm certainly not coming out for that. Huh? Who wants to come out of protection to, to partake of bad news? Huh? I'm healed all the more. When it starts raining out on the, I am healed all the more. I am healed all the more and I am healed all the more. Amen? And that's how you live. Oh, but that's mean, Barb. I'm just going to have to be mean. But I mean that. I ain't getting sick for nobody. Huh? Because, see, I got a certain amount of money that I have <laughs> budgeted for everything, and the Z-Pack ain't in there. Huh? Right, Sister McKinney? Where <laughs> <laughs> you got me? If I have to go get on non fabulous, I have to go get me some free stuff if I just need it, but yeah. I'm not signing up for it. You know. People will say things like, Well, I'm catching so and so. I say, Ooh, not me. I don't want that. I'm not gonna have that. I'm not gonna have that. Because, see, people don't understand, but self-pity carries uh, an affinity for uh, sickness, pestilence, epidemics with it. See, you get offended, you start feeling sorry for yourself and moping around. And pretty soon, infirmary says, oh, you know what, you're sick too. (laughs) Take some of this. And he puts you to bed. And see, you go to bed with your sickness instead of going to bed with the word. I'm not against you staying in bed if you're not feeling well, but go to bed with the word. Better yet, stay out the bed and speak the word over your body and keep it moving. And so we have to understand what it means to stay under God's shadow. He means you to stay under there and don't come out. I don't care who's knocking at the door. Somebody tell you, I'm, I, or, you know, you'll sneeze. Do you have a cold? No. I have the shadow. I have feathers covering me. Don't you see them? I'm dwelling under the shadow of the Almighty. This, your words are very important. And as the time of, of our presence down here on the earth gets shorter and shorter, your words are going to be more important. Jesus said that every man will give an account 
for every idle word that he speaks and them words that hang out there and don't do nothing. In other words, the only thing that you're going to you're going to get credit for is the word of God because it'll produce. It's not an idle word. But we have to stay out of this place of idleness and this place of getting attention for weakness. And, and all that kind of nonsense stuff. We've got to step over under the shadow of the Almighty where you have all resources available to you, all help available to you, all health available to you. You've got everything there under his shadow. Verse 4, he says, he shall cover you with his feathers. Under his wings you shall trust. His truth shall be your shield. In other words, the truth of God's word is you speak the word over yourself, it fights for you. That's the weapon that you use. So while you're being hidden from all harm of the enemy, just in case something does come close to you, he gives you a shield to fend it off with and something to cause you to withstand the pressure of the world and the words of the world and all the things that the world has for you. The world will tell you you'll never amount to anything. You might as well just stay on welfare forever and not try to get anything better. The best thing the government can do for you is make you work if you're getting a check. Because you can scratch your head and say, oh, this ain't no free ride around here. I'm going to have to get me, well, let me get a good job. huh? Let me go, let me go learn how to do something so I can do better. Amen. So don't fault anybody from not letting you sit around and do nothing. You have great potential. God's spirit lives in you. Are you kidding me? Somebody's waiting for you to snap into your senses and start being who God created you to be so you can go solve some problems for somebody. Amen? He says his truth will be that. His word will be your shield and your buckler. You shall not be afraid. I don't care what it is, a terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day. I I had a a situation I found other people do too. They will tell me they'll go to sleep and then something wakes them up after an hour or two. I have a hard time getting to sleep or I have, I said, that's a terror by night. It's right here in Psalm 91. And he is not welcome under the shadow of the Almighty. Amen. So I'll instruct people. I said, read Psalm 91 at least three or four times before you go to bed. Meditate on it. I said, that thing will stop bothering you. Pretty soon it's gone. Doesn't bother him anymore. But there are ways that the enemy wants to come and disturb us. So, and, and you think to yourself, come on now, just waking me up from sleep. But you do that enough nights and see if you don't get wrung out. See if you don't feel like not, you go to sleep at your job. And you know your boss will fire you if they catch you sleeping with your head on your desk. And so the enemy will find any way that he can. But this is a common tactic of the enemy is the terror by night. Why? Because he can get your imagination full of things that you can, you know, he can feed into. Make you start sleeping with your, your gun in the, under the blanket or something like You know, crazy stuff. Like, what you going to do? Probably shoot yourself, you sleepy and groggy. I mean, unless you're the homicide hunter or something. huh? You're one of them professional trained people. 
Them people sleep with one eye open anyway. And them snipers, you know, the Marines and people like that. They just totally different breed. But you normal people, y'all take you Psalm 91, okay? Trying to get in there, hiding it under your pillow in case something shows up. Huh? Same thing that's been in that closet. All You know, it's, it sounds like something in my closet. It's that dust you ain't got out of there. It's making noise now. It wants out. That's all that's up in that closet. Same thing that's been up there all the time. He said, nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness. I've, we have had our flu shots for years in the healing school. Why? Because there's a fear. It's flu season. And then they, uh, every place you go now has a, a flu shot. I could put a window in, a, a sign in my window and say flu shot here. Huh? I'm a noise. I remember where to give them. I think. <laughs> I read the instructions. I know. Nothing. You know. All that comes, comes back to you after 40 years. <laughs> after 30 or 40 years, you know, it all comes back to you. You know, I look at television sometimes, these medical shows, and I say, you can do that now? I'm shocked. <laughs> he says, you shall not be afraid of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. So if somebody comes through your neighborhood or you get a call, your kid's school is on lockdown, huh? it's not going to touch your kid. And you plead the blood over that whole situation. Not my neighbor's kids either, devil. It's all under the shadow of the Almighty. And you pull them under those feathers with you so that they are protected in God. Amen? And he says, a thousand shall fall. He said, this is deep, y'all. I don't care how many people are dropping dead around you. You know, the black death killed like 75% of the population of Europe in the 1500s. But there's a 25% that didn't die. Huh? That's us. We're the 25% that don't die, even though they're carting out dead bodies every day. When they have these Ebola outbreaks and all these things that they have, that they can quickly contain now, but there's diseases that are still being bred. You know, there are organisms, microorganisms multiply in a unique way. They multiply for survival. And while they've probably got some vaccines to take care of the last batch, the new batch are being replicated in a way that they can survive the last. It's just a, it's just a law of nature. You know, they're, they're bred for survival. We're bred for survival. Amen. And so when, when something starts to kill us, if, if, if your body takes on something that's damaging, it starts building up more and more and more cells that are sensitive to that to attack it when it comes in again. That's how flu shots work. Amen. That's why they make you at least a little sick. Most of them make you more than a little sick. Amen. And so it's causing your body to take on a little bit of the symptom to ward off more later. But next year they got to develop a different one because the, the, this one's already got some resistance against it. Huh? It's the way organisms do. And so we have to be aware that while uh, the enemy is fighting for his survival, 
God has a survival plan for us too. And that you have to re- resist and refuse this stuff. You can't embrace sickness and be and say you're healed at the same time. You've got to refuse one and accept the other. You are not sick. You are, you are the healed of the Lord. Amen. Brother Hagen had a, a thing that he, he would do when he would pray for people at the altar. He said, you know, I realized, and, and the Lord showed us this in our, our uh, health prayer, when we take authority over self-pity, I'm, I have to talk about this for a little bit so people understand. When you take authority over that, Brother Hagen said that he would notice that if people would whine when they came up to the altar, uh, he said, and I could tell that was a, a, a spirit on them that would block the administration of the anointing for healing. And he said, I could tell when they were receiving it because the wine would leave them. Uh, he said, as long as that wine was there, those people never got well. Well, when we understood that self-pity is a stronghold. And it gets in any kind of way it does. It wants to. It can find a bazillion ways to get into your life. And that's why God has, has created a dwelling place for us where we can resist that feeling sorry for ourselves. Huh? It'll creep up on you. and You know, you, you can want to stay ten minutes longer in the bed because you feel sorry for yourself. Because you've got to get up and it's cold and all that. It's so creepy. Getting into your life any way it can. And you can't let that thing abide in you. What these temptations that we go through, they're common to man. There's nothing extraordinary is happening to you. You're not the only one. And so what if you are? You have a God who can take care of the only situations that come in life. You understand me? So we don't give in to that. It's harder to get rid of disease when you, ah, just, you know, I'm just going to go, uh-uh. You're going to get up and be healed. Amen. You don't see Jesus healing anybody and left them laying down. Hmm? You don't have a convalescent period. Uh, uh, in divine health you see where Peter's mother was sick and the men were hungry that's the way men are now they don't get them some food and so Peter looked at Jesus and Jesus went and prayed for her got her up and he said she began to minister to us she got him to start cooking would God heal you just to get up and cook sure huh? he ain't going to let you lay in that bed another day I guess Peter said, there's our dinner laying right in that bed. Huh? It didn't say she convalesced for three days and then got up and cooked. She got up immediately and cooked. Why? There was enough faith. There was 12, 13 people with that kind of faith for her to get up and fix them a meal right there in that room. So she had to get up. So God will hide us totally from the enemy who pursues us. Amen. Like a kin gathers her chicks. Things that upset most people won't move you. As verse 5, you will not be afraid of the terror by night. You won't be moved by fear of theft, burglary, or break-in. Huh? You will not move because his strength is real to you. You take on the strength of God when you put your confidence in him and his word. It's an automatic thing. 
You could be hit with stray bullets in a dangerous neighborhood, but God. Amen. When you choose him as your refuge, amen, you can take the wrong exit off the freeway and find yourself in real danger. Amen. And so we have to understand that God has given us a defense and an immunity against these things. We're a disease proof and sickness proof because you call on him. Call on him on your sick bed. And God will tell you, now listen, you get in your word and you get up from there. Amen. Give yourself an hour to get yourself together in the word and get yourself up from there. Better yet, start moving anyway. Go sit in a chair and listen to the word. Amen. As long as you're on your way. See, your faith has to have an action to it. And laying in your bed of affliction is not action. That's what you've been doing anyway. And so we have to understand that your faith, their faith is an act and it acts like it has it before it has it. And that's how you have it. Amen. So you got to get up and do something with your faith. Don't be the type of person to give in when people start making a big deal about you. Because you, you know, having this trouble or having that trouble. Don't go give in to that. You know, shake that off and say, God, you heal me. I want your healing. I don't want man's coddling. I want God's healing. Amen. Verse 7. A thousand will fall at your side. Ten thousand at your right hand, but won't come near you. Only with your eye shall you behold and see the reward of the wicked. See, you can, you can send this word over people who aren't really believing. You got me? Remember when uh, Hector was in the part of the ministry, we always prayed this, this prayer for the deployed service people that we knew about. They didn't have to be in the ministry. Is this anybody? Put, somebody send us a name or my son is in the service. Pray for him. My daughter's in the service. Pray for them. We prayed for everybody. And Hector told that story about when he was out there with no gun or he dropped his gun and he said he could feel uh, bullets flying by him, whizzing by him. And he said they they began to call him the miracle man because nobody could understand how he survived that. Well, it's because the shadow of the Almighty is real. Amen? It's a real place. It goes with you everywhere that you go. It takes care of every single need that you have. Stay under it. Stay in it. Don't let anybody pull you out of it. Make them come in there where you are. Amen? And allow God, allow them to experience what God has for them. You know, when you're, a, you sometimes parents, you have one kid that likes to manipulate with their little emotions. Make that kid stop that. So listen, you going to school today, you are not sick. There's nothing wrong with you. Because there's a whole lot going to school sicker than you. Go get him some of your germs. Amen. You don't have to keep them home because of all the flus going around. You send a couple, plead the blood over them kids and let them abide under the shadow where there is safety. Amen. They'll, they'll go to school. I knew kids that never missed a day of school. And I would say, well, how'd they do that? Cause I get sick. You cause my mother allowed us to. You got me? She could have made us get up and go anyway. You got me? Would have been a good discipline for me. Because to this day, no. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You want to you wanna be a, I'm an artist. We don't get up until, and then when that, we roll over out the bed, we don't really stand up. We just keep laying down, you know. But the thing of it is, God has a place, a real place 
folks. It's not a wish and you wish you could live like that. This is a real spiritual dwelling place where you can abide with him because he loves you and he wants you there. Amen. Father, thank you for your word and for understanding of our privilege to dwell in the shadow of the Lord.